turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 15, or Romans chapter 16, actually, is where we'll be this morning. And, uh, but if you look back at Romans 15, where we were last week, uh, so interesting, you'd think that we planned this, but we didn't. Uh, we're not that smart. But if you look at Romans 15, related to what we just heard about John and his ministry and our opportunity to support the Bockelmans in this, Romans chapter 15 that we looked at a little bit last week is really like a missionary support letter. Um, go back, read it tonight, read it this afternoon or whatever. But uh, as Paul writes this wonderful treatise, theological treatise of Romans, uh, he's writing this church in Rome that he hasn't yet been to. And in chapter 15, he, he kind of says, hey, guys, and, and by the way, also, I need your support. I mean, John, John could send out letters and follow the format of Romans chapter 15, really, because in verse 20, the Apostle Paul says, my goal, my calling, my mission, my ambition is to take the gospel to places where it's not, where it's not yet known. So this part of the world where he's been, he's probably writing from Corinth uh, to Rome. He's, he's uh, been doing ministry in and around Israel and the Mediterranean. And he's saying, now I want to take the gospel to Spain and where you are in Rome and to, and to that part of the Western world. And so verse 20, he says, that's my, that's my goal. And then verses 28, verses 23, 24, 25, he says, I'm, gonna, I'm on my way to Spain. I'm going to try to drop by Rome and uh, stop over for a night or two. I'd love to crash on your couch if you don't mind. And he also goes so far as to say, I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need your support on my way to Spain. He's basically, he's, he's giving the ask. He's saying, help me in where I want to go and where I want to take the gospel. I'm coming uh, your way. And so Romans 15, what we talked about last week, it really just dovetails with what John is wanting to do to get the gospel, to be used by God, to get the gospel to these difficult places where Christ is not as known. And he also, in Romans 15, ends, as every good missionary would, in verse 28 and uh, verse 30, excuse me, following with an appeal to prayer. So he says, help me, support me in prayer, support me financially getting there. Um, It's a wonderful uh, message there, and it's a message for you and me. You may not know anyone in the Middle East. Uh, Many of us are overwhelmed by things that are happening there. We don't know what to do, but guess what we can do? We can pray for and support a guy who's going there regularly to help build God's church there. It's a great opportunity. So in Romans chapter 15, Paul is saying, help me. And then as we come to Romans chapter 16 today, he's basically saying, thank you. In Romans 15, he's saying, give me some help. And in Romans chapter 16, he's saying, way to go. Thanks so much. And here's my greetings to those that I know at the church in Rome. Okay, so if chapter 15 is please, chapter 16 is attaboy, thank you, I love you. Okay, so that's where we're going today, Romans chapter 16, and it's got a lot of hard-to-pronounce names in it. So what I've done is I've asked Jim Hessen, who is so much smarter than me, to read chapter 16 so I don't have to stumble over these names, and he can pronounce them. Okay, so Jim, uh, if you would stand and uh, go ahead and stand with Jim if you're able, and we're going to read chapter 16, and then Jim is going to pray for our time in God's Word together. Okay? Starting in chapter 16, 
I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Centria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prissa and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles gives thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epineus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachus. Greet Apellus, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Astrobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphania and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Tratibes, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philogus, greet Julia, Neros, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles, contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery, They deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So does Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who write this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus greet you. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of our Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that has been kept secret for the long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of the faith, To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have this great mystery revealed to us, that we are made new again, that that the wrath of God, your wrath that is being revealed, can be stayed. And we can have life and be made new. Thank you that you have sent your son Jesus to be that sacrifice for us. To pay the penalty for our sin. To make us new creatures. A new creation to serve you. We pray as you penetrate our hearts with your word and your preaching this morning. That we would be changed men and women. That we would know you differently and serve you more ably and more faithfully because of what we hear today. 
Fill us with your spirit now and guide us. Be with Ross as he brings your word, and we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to fall upon him mightily now. And we thank you and praise you in the name of our wonderful Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Amen. Thank you, and uh, let's give it up for Jim for making his way through it. And now let's have a time of confession. Jim, how much time did you spend on that, uh, practicing that this week? Just a little bit this morning. Okay, we don't believe you. Um, hey, this is, this is one of those places, let's be honest, okay? This is one of those places that you get to in the Bible and you're tempted to think, okay, got it, flip the page, right? Uh, a bunch of names that I can't pronounce. This is one of the places that we're tempted to do that. There's some others, genealogies. We're gonna be look at Matthew chapter one, which is a genealogy through Christmas. But this is one of those places like, okay, I don't really know why this is in here. I'm not sure what to do with it. And it's one of those we tend to kind of skip over or not give much attention to. This is also a place that I haven't heard a lot of people going to uh, to pick their baby names. You know, now Jim's got Jamie is sitting right next to, his daughter Jamie is sitting right next to him. And Jamie, I'm thinking that you and Brad didn't turn to Romans 16 to look at baby names. You know, I'm just guessing. I mean, uh, Andronicus, you know, Olympia down there, that Olympus, um, you know, Rufus, anyone, any takers on Rufus? I mean, these are some, some wild names. I wanted to go with biblical names for my kids. I'm thinking the first one out of the gate here is Phoebe, but Phoebe Beebe just <laughs> doesn't work, you know? And plus, people are thinking I'm making a Friends reference, and I'm really making a reference to the Bible, you know? It's not Phoebe Buffet, it's Phoebe Beebe. Uh, this is one of those places that we are, we are tempted to skip over really quickly, but there is a message here. And there was a preacher a long time ago in the 4th, 5th century named John Chrysostom. Now, there's a name to say too, John Chrysostom. And John Chrysostom said, this is... Good people are tempted to skip past this, but it's like uh, those panning for gold. It's those looking for treasures of gold. And as they pan for gold, uh, Chrysostom says this. He says, yet the gold founders people are careful even about the little fragments. They just want to sift through and find those little fragments because it is possible even from the bare names, names that we see here, to find a great treasure. Another commentator that I read this week said that Romans 16 can actually be one of the most instructive chapters in the Bible because it, it instructs us about the, the prominence and the need for relationships of love within the church. So we're going to look at this big, long chapter, and here's the big idea. If you miss everything else, here's the, here's the summary point for this morning, okay? People are important. God is ultimate. People are important. God is ultimate. And you see the Apostle Paul here, who was a blower and goer, man was on a mission, hadn't even visited Rome yet, but he's so in touch with people that he sent there. He's so in touch that people, with people that have come to Corinth and met him and then gone back to Rome to carry on this message. He loves people. And ministry and life is about people. People are important but God is ultimate. We see that in the last few verses, okay? So I'm gonna blow through here, make uh, several observations this morning, and then uh, we will close with communion as we celebrate 
uh, our ultimate God. Okay, so observation number one. Observation number one, the focus is people. Obvious right here, as, as Jim read all those names, there's actually 26 names listed here in Romans chapter 16. And it's Paul's way of saying, I care about you. I'm not just writing you this doctrinal letter so that you'll know the truth of the scriptures, but I care about you. And I'm praying for you, and I want good for you and the churches that meet in your homes and, and for your family. The focus is people. This is not, Romans is not dry doctrine for unknown people or strangers, but he's giving this very pastorally to people that he cares about. People are important. I was talking to Miss Lori this week about an experience going to the Bank of America. You realize now, I hope none of you work for Bank of America, but the Bank of America over here, it's like almost all tellerless. I mean, people are disappearing from the banks. You have to, to, to get anything done, you've got to know how to work the ATM, and it drives me crazy. Where are the people, you know? At the Walmart that I go to, now, you used to have the, the self-checkers, right? And there used to be about eight of them right at the end. I've noticed now they're moving. They're inching their way all the way down the line. We can, as, as, as believers in Christ, as the church, we can never dismiss people, <laughs> We can never opt for technology only. It's about people. Jesus came to us not as an email or an app or some type of program. He came to us as a person because he cares about people. And there are some things that we just can't automate. automate. People are important, and we see that observed here in Romans chapter 16. Point number two, the church is diverse. The church is diverse, and we don't have time to go into all of it this morning, but as you see this, these names, these 26 names and their families listed here, you see diversity of gender, of race, of class. About nine women are named. The first ones commended here, Phoebe, and then Prisca and Aquila. Prisca is short for Priscilla, whether we read about in other places in the Bible. Uh, and Priscilla is always mentioned before Aquila, the husband, because most scholars believe she was the more prominent one in terms of teaching and of uh, being an influence. Priscilla, Phoebe, so there's, there's women who had significant roles within the church. And, and uh, for Phoebe, uh, most believe that Phoebe was the one delivering this letter to the church in Rome, that Paul had written this through his amanuensis, Tertius is his name, you see there in verse 22, Paul, some people think he didn't have good eyes. He's having his amanuensis uh, Tertius write this down. So it's Paul dictating to him. Um, but Phoebe, whose name means bright or radiant, is the, probably the one delivering this letter, okay? It's not going electronically. It's not going, you know, on horseback. It's going through Phoebe. And she's the one and uh, called a, a patron here. Most scholars think this is probably a woman who is successful uh, commercially as a business person. And thus she's been a, a patron to many and she's taking this letter. There's also diversity here, diversity here of race. You see in some of those names, Paul would call them my kinsmen, meaning they're Jewish. But obviously in Rome and a church like this, you're gonna have a lot of Gentile Roman believers. So the Roman church, and we've seen this in chapters 14 and 15, the Roman church had some, some issues around racial diversity and customs that Jews had brought in to the Christian faith. So this is a diverse church 
Uh, it's also diverse racially. You have these Greek names as well as these um, Jewish names. It's also diverse by class. So you have people of, of, of money. You have people of wealth, perhaps Phoebe, others who says the church met in their home. What does that mean? It means they probably had one of the bigger homes by which they could meet in. So there's also here uh, sending greetings. If you look in verse 23, there's this guy named Erastus, and he's called the city treasurer. Here's a, here's a person probably in the church of Corinth of uh, position, of influence. So this is a diverse church of different colors, different races, different genders, and these names most of whom that we would not have known before we walked in here this morning. These insignificant, unknown names, guess what, are the backs upon which God builds his church in Rome. Some of them of influence, but most of them not of influence. And this little minority of believers that are meeting in Rome, guess what's going to happen to the church in Rome 250 years later? It's going to be the majority. Christians are going to be the majority in Rome because of God, what God started with this little faction, with this little minority of diverse people. God builds this church on the backs of some of these unknown heroes that we see right here in Romans 16. When we get to heaven, of course, we'll want to meet Paul. You know, of course, we'll want to sit at the feet of disciples and obviously worship the ultimate God, but we're also going to meet some heroes like Priscilla and Aquila, like Rufus, like Apellus, like Aristobulus, perhaps. These are guys, men and women, that God used. We don't remember their names, but God used to build what becomes this significant movement and this church in Rome. The focus is people, the church is diverse. Thirdly, uh, hard work is commended. Uh, all these people are described in various ways. And I went through this week and made a list of all the ways that they are described. And you see, beginning in verse 1, Phoebe is called a sister and a servant, but also they're described as saints, fellow workers, worked hard, beloved kinsmen, fellow prisoners in Christ or in the Lord, approved in Christ, chosen and sisters Brothers, okay, what is the most common attribute of the people listed in Romans 16? They worked hard. They worked hard in the Lord. That's what's repeated the most. I thought that was significant this week. Man, these people that God is building the church on, they are hard workers. They're saying, come into my home. Meet here in, in verse uh, in verse 3 or verse 4 it is, it says that uh, Priscilla and Aquila risk their necks for my life. They sacrificed, they worked hard. And again, let me remind us that these are not the apostles. These are not professional Christians. These are the business leaders. These are common men and women that God is using through their hard work, their hard labor, to build the church and to further the gospel. It reminds me, and I don't have this on the screen for us this morning, but it reminded me of uh, Matthew chapter nine. Matthew chapter nine, verse 36 says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He looks on this crowd 
and it says that he's moved with compassion. And so what does he do? Verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but then what's next? But the workers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. We need gifts to serve Christ. We also need just hard workers, right? And the church in Rome had need for hard workers. The church in 2017 has need for hard workers. We have needs this morning as a church family in our AV booth. We have needs for greeters. We have needs for teachers with our uh, young kids. There's always a need for servants who are willing to work hard. And, and Paul points that out and commends that as a part of Romans chapter 16. Not only is hard work commended, but affection is encouraged. Look at verse 16. You know we were gonna get to this one. Verse 16, your favorite verse. Greet one another with a holy kiss. So what we're gonna do in a minute is we're gonna stand up and we're gonna put this, just kidding. This is, this is one of these ones where you really test people like, how literally do you believe the Bible? You know, I mean, do you really take it literally? So uh, the amen guy down here, Jason is saying literally, uh, sorry to pick up, you know, Jason actually does this. I don't really know that it's a holy kiss. It might be unholy, but there's oftentimes he grabs me out in the lobby and he puts me in this headlock and then he reaches down and gives me a little kiss on the forehead. And uh, again, it might be unholy, but I see what the brother is trying to do, right? Uh, I think there's a, there's a cultural aspect here, but what he's saying is show affection in the brotherhood and the sisterhood. Uh, tell people you love them. When's the last time you wrote a note? When's the last time you sent a message, mailed a card? When's the last time you gave someone a holy kiss, emphasis on holy? Uh, maybe it's just a fist bump. Maybe it's a hug, but he's saying, be affectionate to one another. You diverse body of people of all different backgrounds and, and ethnicities and different class, socioeconomic classes, show affection to one another. Uh, I remember working in Ethiopia for a while. It always just kind of freaked me out as I would see teenage men and a grown adult men holding hands as they walked down the street. Didn't think twice about it. They just would grab another guy's hand and walk uh, down, the, down the road. Took me a while to get used to that. Uh, had someone tell me this week, you're a toucher. It kind of makes me uncomfortable. You're a toucher. I'll grab people's arms, grab their elbow, put my hand on their shoulder, you know, kind of squeeze them by the neck. It kind of makes me, we have to be careful, right? But the point here he's saying is your brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters going to fight. Brothers and sisters also need to show affection one to another, right? Greet one another. Show affection. Affection is encouraged. Fifthly, all is not easy. All is not easy. Look at verses 17 through 20. He says, uh, I appeal to you, brothers, watch out. In the middle of all these names and, and, and admonitions and commendations, in verse 17, he kind of turns the corner, though, and gives them this warning. He says, I appeal to you, watch out. 
All is not easy. All is not good. Why watch out? Watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. And then this great promise, referring back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, and the promise that was made there, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I love that contrast with the God of peace, okay? Think about peace. God is this God of peace, but he's going to crush Satan. Isn't that a fascinating juxtaposition to put those? The God of peace is going to crush Satan. And the victory that Christ won at the cross will culminate when he returns and Satan is bound for thousands of, a thousand years, put in the lake of fire and done away with. God gets the victory. But in the meantime, all is not easy and all is not well. And, and there's an, this admonishment to love one another and to show affection, but that doesn't imply a, a naivety to doctrinal sloppiness or doctrinal error. He says, watch out. For those that go contrary to the doctrines that you've been handed down, to the teaching that you believe, when you see people that are veering off the straight and narrow and teaching things that are false or misleading to people, watch out and don't even associate with those people. So I love that in the midst of encouraging affection, he says, but don't be naive in your love. Don't be soft in your doctrine. But be vigilant, watch out, be careful. All will not be easy. You have this diverse family that's loving each other and growing in Christ's likeness together, but you're also gonna have obstacles. There's also gonna be false teachers. There's also gonna be people within your fellowship that leave the faith. Apostasy will come, be careful. Watch out. I think you all know, as, as, as I have experienced, your greatest joys and your, brightest, your biggest burdens will always be people. Your greatest joys and your biggest burdens will always be people, won't they? You think about it uh, in terms of your kids, right? If your kids are doing really well, they're just knocking it out of the park, they're, you're, filled with joy, right? But when a kid's struggling, with a, when a kid's really being bullied at school or when your, your son or daughter is making bad choices, where's your heart? Where's your burden? It's on your child, right? And the same thing in the Christian faith or as we go through our lives with family, whatever. Our greatest joys will be people. Our biggest burdens will be people. But nevertheless, it's people, and Paul has a life here and a ministry that's focused on people. 
He's not just disseminating truth, but he is loving and giving his lives to others through relationships, through prayer, through sharing meals. And they're inviting people into their homes and breaking bread together. And they're getting to know one another, Jew and Gentile together. Because it's all about people. And that's what I want uh, for you and me at Centennial Church. I want us to be Romans 16, Romans 16 kind of people. To where you have a list of people that you love and that you've ministered to or, or people or you're in someone else's Romans 16 list. And they thank God for Doug or they thank God for Bob, for Jill, for Tab, for Lori. They have this list because you have impacted me. You have been faithful. See, we all need to be Roman 16 kind of people and other people need you to be a Roman 16 kind of person or a Paul kind of person that cares for people, that opens your home to them. So John, we're sending out on a mission and he's gonna go, John Bachelman is gonna go to places that nobody else in this room will go, likely. But guess what? You're gonna go places tomorrow and this week and next week. You're gonna go places that nobody else in this room is gonna go. And you have an obligation, just like John Bachelman has an obligation, to be Christ's person wherever that is. So you are not just an audience for the preacher here this morning. You are an army of ministers that as we gather, then we scatter to our places of mission and ministry to be Romans 16 kind of difference makers, unknown small little people that go and do significant things to further the gospel and build Christ's church, right? You're not an audience. You're an army of ministers. You're not just here to watch. You're here to work hard. As you leave this morning, the sign above the door, start here, go everywhere. The end game is not just gathering here and worshiping and hearing the word of God preached and partaking of communion, but we're also called not only to gather, but to scatter and go and be those people. Every person in Romans 16 here made a contribution. They made a difference. They, they had a gift and they had a ministry. My application for us this morning, my application for you and me this morning is to identify your passion and gifting and identify your ministry and mission. Do you know what God created you to do? Do you know the unique gifting that he has given you and called you to? Sometimes that's hard to discover. This morning on the sermon app, on, the, on our CC app, there's a link that if you wanna just do a little quick test on spiritual gifts, we put a link in the sermon app today that you can click on that link and go and you can take this little brief test about finding your spiritual gifts, okay? That's good. If, you, if you're unaware of what your spiritual gifts might be, you should do that test. The other thing you should do is not, not end with that test, but you should also dialogue about that with other people who know you well, okay? What do you think my gifts are? What do you, what, what do you feel like uh, where I help the body the most? How do I best serve? And dialogue with some people that know you well about that. The other thing that I would suggest is just jump in and try some things. 
You may not realize that you have a gift talking to kids about spiritual things until you sit down at one of our tables with the kids in our Sunday school classes and start talking to them. You might need to experiment a little bit so that every person in this church can hopefully at some point soon be able to identify this is the gift and calling that God has put in my life. But not only that calling, but that context. What's the, what's the mission field or the ministry that God is calling you to, right? You're like, well, I, I know I have this gift. I know I have this gift of hospitality here. I know I have the gift of administration. So what's the context, the place in which you put that to work, right? So I'm looking at some of you, maybe thinking, man, your, your mission context is the soccer team that your kids play on that soccer team with. Are you praying for any of those soccer moms? That you wouldn't have an opportunity to love them, to have conversations about spiritual things with them? Where you work, do you see that as a mission field? Do you, do you ever visualize going down to eat lunch at the, at the company uh, cafe or whatever and sitting down next to someone for the sole purpose of saying, I've got this gift of encouragement and I, I, I wanna encourage someone at work today. Do you realize that's a ministry and a mission field that you have? Some of you have, uh, have been sent to a neighborhood and most of the people on your street are either unsaved or unchurched. When's the last time you prayed for your neighbors? When's the last time you, you took a walk and intentionally as you walked, prayed for the neighbors who's right now, you don't even know their names, but you prayed for the neighbors on your street and around your neighborhood that you would be the person, you would be the ambassador that God uses to impact their life. That's a Romans 16 kind of living. So you need to identify your passion identify your spiritual gifts, and then you need to figure out what's my context. And your context may change. Right now, it might be the soccer team. And then as years go on, it, it might be something different. It might be your place of employment. It might be your neighborhood. It might be the family that you're with on Thursday. And some of you are thinking, oh, I gotta go to Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, how long do I have to stay What's the obligatory time before I can leave? What if you saw Thursday? There's a lot of smiling going on right now. What if you saw Thursday not as an obligation, but as an opportunity to take the light of Jesus to people that you'd rather just kind of leave alone? What if you drove on your way to the get-together and said, God, I'm here. I want to be used today. What if you just looked for opportunities to love someone sacrificially, to start a conversation? What if you just said this week, God, I'm available to be your tool in whatever context you place me in? That's important that you know your gifting, that you know your ministry, that you know your mission field. You may discover, man, my mission is the kids around that table on Sunday mornings, those fourth graders, and you're praying for them every day. God's put them on your heart. People are important. 
And God uses imperfect people to reach imperfect people. Finally, the point is not us. The point's God. And that's the final point. God is ultimate. Look, the way he, look at the way he ends this passage as he's talked about all these people. Verse 25, now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, then drop on down to verse, 20, verse 27, to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ, amen. People are important, but God is ultimate. And you may be sitting here thinking, I wanna worship, but I have, not, I have no clue as to how to reach out to other people. I am so inadequate for this, I, don't, I can't even begin to think about what that might look like. Well, take heed to verse 25, because he says, to him who is able to strengthen you according to the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, guess what? He will strengthen you to do what he has called you to do. People are important, but God is ultimate. And he will give you the strength. He will strengthen you by his word. He will strengthen you by the gathering of other people together to send you out into that world to be Romans 16 kind of difference makers. What can bring diverse people together in unity? What can make enemies brothers and sisters? Only a God whose blood unites us all. What can bring people together, very different people together? A common savior who shed his blood for us, who can't allow us to look our nose down, look down our nose at other people different from us, but gives us the same compassion Jesus had for the crowds and for people that didn't look like him people that don't look like us. If we would be strengthened by the gospel, strengthened by Jesus Christ, he will send us out of here to be difference makers, to be unknown little people that make a difference for the great commission. You pray with me? Father God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for these unknown heroes in Romans chapter 16. Father, we pray that you would help us to be faithful as we go throughout our days, as we go throughout our week. Help us to be faithful so that we can be a part of this great commission that you're doing. Help us to open our homes to our neighbors, to open our homes to one another. Help us to work hard. Help us to discover our gift and our sphere of ministry. And most of all, God, thank you for coming to us when we had rejected you. Thank you for sending Jesus to come to people that are so different than you and to love us in our differences, in our rebellion, in our stubbornness, and to shed blood and make us sons and daughters. It's in the beautiful name of Jesus we pray, amen.